0: Do it. Let's do it. I love watching it. Oh, look at that,
1: me. I mean, I drove 3,000 miles to get here. I mean, what a beautiful place. This is you.
0: Yeah,
1: right? This is you, Peace of heaven. Shot this guy
2: rowdy, yeah. By the way, he's famous,
1: he's a real cowboy. I tell you what, yeah, I love that. God. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he saw my cowboy movie, The Homesman. I had never heard of well, she does a lot of stuff with these one he probably did. It doesn't know. <laughs> well, he has to come up here when we get our horses. Oh, you want to see his picture?
3: she should put more horses in her movies, and then I would
1: see them. (laughs) There we go, him. I'll explain, Joe. You You guys come up, stay six feet away. It's so incredible what you're capturing. You're telling such a story that is going
2: to be talked about forever. Mm -hmm. Think about when the photos people took of the Great Depression and all of that. This is a Pretty easy time, and you're capturing it. You're capturing people within it.
1: This is gonna be one of the most important pieces you've ever done. You're gonna be you. like to see what you this. You have is. no idea. And you've been around since the beginning of my career, but you know mm-hmm. how important it is. So ready, guys? Holy shit, boys! this is great. You're a little more sun on your face. Let me see. Yeah, I'll tell you that this way. Oh my god, this is so good! Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. One, two, done! Wow, I just want to play that over and over. Well, I have all week, but it is so good. Oh, my God. It still just makes me laugh. So welcome, Brian, and welcome, everyone. Thank you, Deb, for uh, letting people in. Thank you for those who are spending Saturday um, in our photo book book group. Um, I'm really excited, purposely didn't have coffee because I am really excited to host Brian Bowen Smith. And um, we're gonna do a different kind of um, book group in the sense that, yeah, we wanna talk about drive-bys, which is what happened and how I got connected to Brian, which is this amazing book and we will will unpack it. But because Brian is, fashion and entertainment, um, a a really well-known photographer that has this career that really is, uh, uh, we have an opportunity to unpack it because it's really kind of incredible. And he is kind of incredible. Um, Full disclosure. I, well, let me just tell you, I didn't know Brian Bone Smith in 2020. Um, I came upon picking my husband up, Eric Luden, from work at Digital Silver Imaging, and he is unpacking this unbelievably beautiful clam box that also has a print in it. And then he pulls out the book and I'm like, wait, who is this and who did that? And I need to know this person and I wanna get this person. This is the print that we got. Um, on the photo book, book group. So, like. it was, yeah, we're lucky for that. So, it was um, a Leica connection. Karen from Leica introduced you to Eric. That was around the Kickstarter um, fulfillment and the idea of having the prints. Um, and then you sent Eric a thank you. Uh, combination of the clam box so anyway I've learned about you of late and I have had so much fun and we are going to open this up to a lot more questions about like as you said how to get in your head and nothing is off limits and I could start with the size of your pants I won't I wanted to say like good question well I was going to say like have you always been like this always yeah, like, and then I wanted to like talk to your mother and wondered if you had siblings because it's like you have a lot of that because
1: she's dead.
0: All right, well, I didn't know, but I wondered like, okay, you have you throw yourself with passion at life and it is so evident. And you know, you can unpack this more, but I learned that you are almost like a professional gymnast, had an injury. Had acting in the ba- as your background, had the opportunity to uh, work with her Brits, get chosen for a uh, uh, a picture for with him, ended up working with him. It's like anything that you jump into, you jump into wild, and it's it's awesome. So I've thought a lot about you over the last couple of weeks, as that I have unpacked this, and I I I'm really excited to um to get at it. So um. I guess one question, besides your pants, um, is, like, how's Pearl?
1: Pearl is actually good. I drove her uh, yesterday out to Malibu. There's a couple of stores that I wanted to have the book in. Um, One of them is the Surfing Cowboy. It's kind of like this vintage, um, eclectic, like, amazing surf and and, and vintage clothing and all these old surfboards. Um, And it's in Malibu. Um, So the book fits in perfect there um, and, I, and a lot of people were asking, you know, can I just go in and buy it? So I put it in that store and um, I drove out there. Um, they sold out uh, the copies that I gave them. So I just drove them out more and I drove Pearl out. Every time I deliver books, every time I go to the post office or whatever, I use Pearl to make it, you know, to keep keep it all legit and and, and all about her. Well, All right, well, you're great. That, that old truck just starts right up and it wants to go.
0: Wow, she's had quite the life. But I think um, if you want, we I've got um, some images that we selected out of the book and I'll switch my screens and we can flip through them. But I think it'd be really interesting to um, have you unpack at least like the beginning of this idea that like a Zoom tale just turned into this epic piece. Right, yeah. um, And I guess one thing I do want to do before I just let you unpack it all is I was looking over what um, Josh Brolin wrote as your um, introduction. And I thought it was so uh, apt and I wanted to repeat part of it, which was it talked about this is America in the raw, memorializing this unforgettable time, our personal standout moment, who we cared for, how we made ends meet, how we conducted ourselves, manifest, manifesting expression and loving humanity. And I, I really think that, you know, this is going to be in the legions of road trips that if you look at it in context, started with Evans and went through Frank and we have lots of them and whole um, just a history of the American road trip but you have given it one at an amazing time. And I, I do have to laugh that when I understood that um, you being in something like lockdown or quarantine is like not a good idea, uh, not easy. Oh, it's like engaging a, a wild animal. Yeah, yeah. In, no
1: in, in the wild.
0: Yeah, no, again, I was like, yeah. okay, they had a really good idea. Like, yes, this is a good idea. All right. I'm going to go over to start telling us about the zoom tale, and I will, um, switch well,
1: the, I was just, we were just on a zoom and, uh, with my neighbors and I had been talking about, you know, shooting her, um, the daughter Taya, mm-hmm. um, and she, she was getting ready to go to UCLA and she was very interested in film and photography. So she wanted to come kind of intern. Well, I'm like, well, instead of interning, let's do a shoot. So mm-hmm. through Zoom, because this was the beginning of the pandemic. So through Zoom, we kind of uh, just had to do everything via computer. Then I said, well, you know, my my truck has all these great windows. So maybe when I come over, I can just, you could just stand in the driveway. I can shoot you through the windows of my truck. I didn't really have, to be honest, it wasn't like I'm going to frame it through the window and then that's going to be it. You know, I kind of was like, I literally was going to lean out the window at first. But when I was looking through the back of the camera and focusing the way that the panoramic round windows looked, I decided, well, let me shoot some like this, then I'll go close. Then when I saw the first frame, I said, oh no, this is it. I think I that's our second
0: this. shot. Where is she in here? She's not. Okay, so that's in the book. Um, it's, the first, it
1: was, it's the very first photo.
0: Yeah. And actually and what, the, one,
1: the one on the tree was actually the second photo, that's her mom.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what? what's interesting is when you went over to shoot her and then that happened and you framed in the window That's when it started to germinate as an idea.
1: Yeah, I wanted to do, I I was like, maybe I'll do a series of pictures, like maybe do 12 different people and do a series like that just for Mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And then um, actually during a Leica Conversations talk, I said, what if I went across the country? And then, you know, people started blowing it up like, yeah, yeah. That would be amazing, come to, come to Kansas, come to here. And I'm like, oh, mm, this is a real thing. <laughs>
0: and Let's then you, you, like, you take an idea and I get the sense you move pretty quickly with them. So how did you pull this together? Like you decided who it to was, take
1: with it really, you? Uh, it was so random and so, I, I was going to put a tent in the back of the truck, grab some clothes, put a cooler and literally just go. I didn't know how far I was going to go, but I knew the grocery stores were open. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, let me just start going in the deserts. Yeah, I was going to go out to the desert, um, 29 Palms. I have some friends that live out there, and I was going to start there. It was my birthday, so my wife, Shay and Jonah met up with me. We celebrated my birthday, and the next day, I just said, I'm taking off. Then in the interim, I was talking to one of my assistants, um, Sylvan, And he said, well, I have a Winnebago and I'm like, oh my gosh, we could take the Winnebago and then we wouldn't have to worry about where to sleep, where to eat, where to poo, you know? So it worked out great. And and I said, listen, you need to decide if you're in, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where we're going to go. I'm Mm going to let people dictate it. So if you're going and you're down, meet me in Vegas And then my friend, Evan saw my Instagram and said, dude, what are you doing? I'm not working right now. My show is on hiatus. And I said, dude, be at my house um, um, tomorrow. My friend, Sylvan's packing up the Winnebago. If you want to come and film it, get in. (laughs) And then they they all showed up in Vegas and we're ready to go. And, and we were in Vegas and i had a couple people that hit me up from Vegas they had that the elvis guy i had some dancers i had a, a random girl who was just um you know my life i i you know i had a be- really bad experience that was eye opening and i was heading down the wrong path i know you're never going to read this but i used to do you know some modeling here and it would be you know awesome if I could get back into it anyway and so you know those are the type of people that I gravitated towards and and I hit her back Mm -hmm. and I'm like here's my number call me and she called me and she was just like I can't believe this you know and I'm like well this is you know this is what it's about it's about real people and their stories and their struggles and and is there a way I can help with those people um even if it's one day of joy Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I got, you know, we got tested before we left and then we followed, you know, all the guidelines. And that's another reason why we, you know, it's through the window, you're way away
0: from me. Nothing is,
1: you know, everything is safe and we can work like this.
0: And then was the, it was the instrument that you did this through Instagram? Yes, only. So that is incredible. Um, to think about, like how the the place that we are technolo- technologically yeah. allowed for you to do the kind of thing you did, like no one yeah. else, uh, you know, kind of had that. They were out in their, on their road trip, encountering it. But what I think is really interesting. This is one of the things that I thought of when um, when Josh Brolin wrote manifesting expression and loving humanity. I thought you really straddle two worlds and you do it really well. And I think it's because of this core aspect that you really do just connect, like that that, that it's this idea almost, I thought about, so, okay, you have a lot of celebrities in your life in a way that, um, yes, you've shot them, but they are also your friends. And I was thinking about the fact that you hit that place where basically that woman in Vegas is in a similar frame of mind for you as like Reese Witherspoon. And that must be really nice for people like Reese to yeah, well, be that, able to be real.
1: Yeah, that's also like, the point of the book is that I didn't call Reese Witherspoon. I didn't call Common. Yeah. I didn't call. They, they hit me up through Instagram. It was the exact same way. And they have the same struggles. They're going through, mm-hmm. COVID doesn't know that you're Reese Witherspoon and you. I can't give it to you because you're super famous. COVID mm-hmm. doesn't know that it's Hillary Swank. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I approached it as this. We are all as one right now. This thing is, is the great equalizer in 2020. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something that even the struggles of losing your job, even the struggles, you know, all my celeb friends, they aren't doing movies. They aren't mm-hmm. working. You know what i mean and i'm the, it was i was explaining to my friend it's like you know when you have overhead a lot of it and that money stops coming in it hurts bad people don't think it does but say you own 10 restaurants in new york city yes you're a multi multi multi-millionaire and those restaurants cost millions of dollars a month now mm-hmm. you stop that for eight months the amount of money you're losing so it it's kind of equalized everything out where like, we're all in the same boat right now. And I know that some people are well off and I know some, even some companies thrived, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean? and I wasn't there trying to make a political statement or trying to do that. I just thought it was neat that the book and the project did make, in my eyes, everyone seem equal. And it wasn't about being celebrities being in it. Mm-hmm you know, I really wasn't even targeting them because I didn't think I'm like, this isn't a celebrity thing. And I don't want people thinking that I'm using my celebrity, um, um, friends or, or access to make this book famous. That's not what it was. And the ones that are in there wanted to be in it. So what am I going to say? No, <laughs> then I'm an hypocrite. So I thought it was really cool and interesting how they, they, and everyone else got in. And it's like, here's the thing I'm going to Vegas. I'll be there, hit me up if you've got a great idea and you wanna be a part of this project. Mm -hmm. Then after I'm like, where to next? And I waited for someone to hit me up. I didn't know if I was gonna go north, south. As a matter of fact, we went and shot Mr. Dizzy, the guy who set himself on fire. (laughs) We were not planning on going 18 hours out of our way to to Washington Mm -hmm. for one shot. Mm -hmm. But just as it happens, he said, dude, if you want it, you got to come now. And I said, okay. And that was a big risk because what if this guy was full of shit? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. And didn't, didn't do what he said he was going to do. Then we wasted a day and well, more like two days. Then if we were coming back to Sound the route, that's four days. I didn't even know I'd be gone. I thought I was going to be gone for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So to lose four days, I was like, that's going to be hard.
0: Yeah. And it ended up, weren't you gone six weeks by the time
1: you finished? Wow. Well, you know, I I didn't know. My whole goal was to go across the country. mm -hmm. So I needed to make it to New York City. mm -hmm. And at the time when I left, they weren't even letting people in the bridges and tunnels into New York City. So I thought I'm going to get all the way to New York and maybe not even be able to get into the city. I'm like, I was thinking how I could walk or Mm -hmm. how I could ride a bike or something Mm -hmm. to get in there to photograph Times Square with no one in it. Mm -hmm. Then it just so happens, I made it in perfect timing where they allowed cars back in, but there was still no one in the streets. Mm -hmm. I mean, Times Square was empty. I spent 15 minutes, I got out of my car and was shooting portraits of Pearl. I should post one of those. Yeah, Uh, in Times Square just by herself in New York City. It was like a film set. It was not real. And then as Mm -hmm. soon as I left New York, when I'm heading Mm -hmm. back, that's when George Floyd died. So then the streets were packed. So if I didn't hit it in that moment, there were a lot of things that went right on this trip. God guided Mm -hmm. and made this happen. Everything, every day, there was a struggle. Every day we could have died. I mean, it was, this RV was a 1993 Skippy. There was so it didn't have windshield wipers. It didn't have headlights, we found out. The sway bar was broken. You know what I mean? The, the, the um, generator fell off. It, it, it was a journey to say the least. And the roads, I think because of COVID, everyone's fixing the roads. So there were so many narrow highways and 18 wheelers would fly by and it'd blow us off the road,
0: literally. Unreal. So, I mean, yeah. when I saw that part in the video where you actually lost the pieces and crawled around finding them, like oh, yeah, was, so,
1: by the way, that? that was the first trip from Vegas to Washington. That that there's actually I might as well go ahead and say it, that we're in the process right now of editing the documentary. And wow. all the things that I can't like even like imagine to tell you, you coming back. Almost like you wouldn't believe it. And then and then this, although is the best thing I've ever done, it's definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. But every day we were determined, it was almost like being in war. Mm-hmm. And we had a goal to get to New York, and that's what we were gonna do. Mm-hmm.
3: Well,
0: yeah. I really yeah, I feel too like it had it, this is such a convergence of all the right things. Like synergy kept going through my head, like there was so much. Synergistic stuff but it also spoke to your just just the way you meet the world and 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 that cross-section it was like your intention and then your um you know like I get the sense that like when you had the goal for New York City it was like a do or die thing it's like you have a lot of um drive to make stuff happen and and you also like when shit does happen, it's like it doesn't. It doesn't deter you. It's like you're you're just you move around an obstacle and keep going. Um, and you, the filmmaking was genius. Like I had so I'm serious. I looped that that video because it is so fun to watch. And that, the idea that, that,
1: that be Stone, he's a master.
0: That that's gonna be a documentary. It's awesome to think that I can yeah. like like I'll have longer time with that kind of storytelling. Yeah,
1: right? he definitely will.
0: That's so good, and I want to just show a few more pictures, and um, I do want to open this up to other people and and really have a dialogue. But um, I did think that talking about the Kickstarter, how that came in, how you manage that, like it's a ton of work to do something like that. It's not like a magic, you know, like it it's you pushing that uphill too. So, do you want to just give us a a, a like how successful that was, how hard was it? Um, Did it actually help? um, Yeah,
1: it it made it possible. Mm -hmm. It made it possible. And, you know, it was something I've never done before. And I just decided, um, why not? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So the whole whole book is about the people and the people made it. You know what I mean? It's, you know, it was a big, you know, it, it wasn't all me. It was a lot of help from a lot of different people including everyone in the book. And I think that it just kind of came together and, and, uh, it was it was, uh, a lot of, you know, it's a lot of work. We did everything ourselves. We self-published, mm-hmm. we laid it mm-hmm. out, you know what I mean? We packed it up. We made labels to send out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we really made it a kind of a, you know, a family affair and and people were willing to help. Mm-hmm. And people gave mm-hmm. their love and support, and 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 that's why it came about. And I think so like, that's, that's part of the
0: success. Yep, I do too. But I was trying to I was trying to get that through my head. Like, do you think like that often? Do you like anticipate Always. like this will work out?
1: Always. I, yeah. I I just don't. I just think that you know four minds are better than one. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I, I I do what I feel is right for me. But I listen to everyone else's opinion. Mm-hmm. I want to know mm-hmm. what you're thinking. I don't necessarily have to agree with you. And then a lot mm-hmm. of times I'll get insight and go, I didn't look at it that way. Now I do. And that mm-hmm. changed the way I think and look at everything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, everything <laughs> that I do, I ask my my team that I work with, they're like, I'm the most, in, I, I can never, Um, uh, you know we've done this a million times brian i know but this is different because it's today and it's a different person Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. also i try to try to get them and teach them to think that way just because you do something a million times think about boring sex would be do you know what i mean like yeah you you can't just go through the day and just repeat what you're doing and what's working how do Mm -hmm. you grow how do you, you know what I mean? It's so I think that by listening to others and by always questioning yourself and us as artists, are we ever satisfied? Are we ever like, we're good?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, mm-hmm. is, that, is, is anything ever good enough? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think that if you keep asking those questions, keep searching for something else to come up, that great things happen.
0: Yes, 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 yes. It's so, like, that's what I think was so um, occupying my time as I was encountering your work and encountering you just in setting this up. I was like, that that openness um, and that uh, eagerness and that like um, anticipating, like you just don't bring the baggage. It's like, okay, what other way can I look at it? How else can we go? Or what am I not looking at? Like you're very open. So I'm, I'm going back thinking when you were an athlete, that that's kind of also an athlete, in addition to artists having to question and yes. look at things from all kinds of different places. As an athlete, you have to have kind of that analytical component to it too, right? You just have to- I use,
1: I, every, Everything in my life revolves around what I did in athletics. Hmm. Is there one athlete in the world that can't get better? No, is there one athlete in the world that doesn't want to get better or be the best? No, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like when you're an athlete, you strive to be the top. Mm -hmm. You strive to get better and better. And guess what else? You work your ass off every day. Mm -hmm. It is not easy, which is why it's so, you know, when you see a great athlete, you know, the time and dedication they gave their life to make that happen Mm -hmm. is astonishing. Mm-hmm. I think about that all the time. I think about what football players go through and how much training they go through. You know what I mean? And, and, and you, why can't you do that with photography? Yeah. Why yeah. can't you do that with painting?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You, you mm-hmm. can't, you just have to apply it and do it and then, and then put in the time. Yeah. You no, know people don't have any idea how much I think about photography and how much I still kind of practice. And how much mm-hmm. i talk about things and how much i experiment with cameras the, the like a show dancing with your angel that we're going to talk about later was a practice session with one girl, it, mm-hmm. yeah that turned into a show that's in a gallery now mm-hmm. so there's a prime example of me could have been anyone in the world playing around that ended up in a gallery
0: yep oh my god you're talking my language So I teach this um, concept development curriculum called Concept Aware. And it is all about experimentation and refinement and basically play and being curious, like what would happen, what wouldn't. I heard you just talking before we started about a new project that you're gonna do and you're gonna use tin types. Like you are so open to layering the concept with another way of looking at it. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's fun. And and anytime I can learn about something, I'm a sponge.
0: Yep, yep. And this idea, um, you made me think of something else when you were back there. Oh yeah, this idea of like the dedication as well as the play, right? And the explore, um, it doesn't just happen. And I think that that can um, uh, be something that people infer that when you reach a certain level of success that um, it's as if it was you know dropped from somewhere and that it keeps itself going. And it's like, it isn't like that and and that's not what you did um and so i i love that you're talking about that um there was one question um that came up that i thought would be um from someone who emailed me actually because it was about um how you approach things and so this is ed who asked people um that you know or have um he basically said you photograph people that you know or have previously been introduced to. He said, I'm interested in your approach to making portraits of someone you have not met before. And you did a lot of that. Like, I'm thinking about like this image. Like, do you know those, that family? I actually do know that family. Okay, you do know that family. Great. Yeah. So it, is it, let's go forward. Like, how do you approach someone in a portrait session? It, you don't it, know. It,
1: it, here it is, is... A, you ask if they're interested. Then in this situation, you've got, you know, know, five minutes to figure out who they are and how to get something out of them. So it's, I, I talk, I start a conversation and, and as I'm talking to them, I'm looking at them and I try to get a sense of who they are, what, what, what do I like about this person? what is interesting to me Mm -hmm. if I was him you know and then most of them trust that I will make them look cool or beautiful so they're banking on that right so Mm -hmm. I guess that I really your job as a photographer is to look and examine and figure out what I want to see and then take it and then show them and see if that's kind of what they sometimes it's they didn't look at themselves like that hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's it's really all about just just doing it and, and not being so set on a bunch of rules and don't worry about, you know, your lighting techniques and all that. You should know all that stuff by now if you're in the situation. So you don't need to worry about that. Right. So now you're just like, all right, now it's just me and the subject. Let's have a little session and jam. It's like two musicians getting together and just mm-hmm. playing notes they have never played before. And then, hopefully, that that happens.
0: And then, so when you tell us, I'm curious about how photography did make that switch because you actually came in as a as um, talent and then got behind the camera. So how... it was
1: just the struggle of like everyone else how to, to how to maneuver and work a camera and get my lighting down. The first five years, that's all I concentrated mm-hmm. on. Because you can't really do your job if you don't know your tools, mm-hmm. so I really studied photography. Mm-hmm. After that, I, you know the the as far as working with people and this and that, it's seamless. It, I'm a people person; I always have been, which is why when I did acting, it was so natural to me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and there's no difference between doing a scene with someone and try to evoke emotion out of them so I can react to that. Um, and doing a photo of someone because I want to get some emotion out of them so I can react to that, but I get it out of camera mm-hmm. instead of having it on film. So it's it's kind of the same thing. And there's no what I do is is not the same way what you should do. I guess everyone has to find their own way of doing that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you can't yeah. talk to people and, and make them feel safe and make them want to be a part of something, then maybe still life is better for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what I mean it's like you can't you can't make like someone was talking about like how because I get all goofy and I'm pretty I don't I get outside of my body and I just do what's natural and sometimes I sound I hear myself and I sound so stupid you know what I mean but I'm like that's me and that's that's just the way it naturally happens so I don't I don't try to act cool I don't try Mm -hmm. to act mature I don't try I'm like I am who I am take it or leave it And that's the way it is. And, and, and even I'm not happy with it sometimes it's like, I I just sound so silly and get so excited, but that's kind of the way it is. Now, some people can try to act that way and think that that's how you get people to do things. And then you end up sounding silly and stupid, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it's, it's one of those things where like, just be who you are. I know. I mean, I watched Peter Lindbergh shoot. This guy couldn't have been more cool. Hardly said anything, you know, just 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 did it, and it just happened, and he was so confident. And it was just like I remember just going, man, that guy is the coolest guy. I can't believe him. Like, it's just so nuts. And the yeah, way, but- when I the way I do things is so different, and it's not any, it's not wrong or right. It's just who mm-hmm. you are and in there.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's authentic. Like, I love, I actually get the biggest kick out of when you scream. Um, when you like the light on Hillary Swank's face, because it is yeah. so authentic, right? I mean, that's just yeah, you. Knew, like,
1: I, that's the moment I knew yeah. I got it. Just don't move. Let me capture mm-hmm. this. And I know that all the drive and, and everywhere, everything was worth it. I'll know when I get mm-hmm. a shot, like right away. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, the the celebrity world, you know, I'm kind of known for being so quick and precise, which is important yeah. because a lot of times these people have five minutes. Mm-hmm. in between takes to get a movie poster. But mm-hmm. if I'm set out and prepared, I, I know I can get it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. let's face it, how many different pictures do you need of these beautiful stars? Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, what position do you want her in? Where she's gonna go in this poster? Boom, 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 moving on.
0: So the, I was thinking about that with you and people, um, when you have that kind of situation, are you envisioning the shot? Or are you just organic to that time? Like You kind of prep like,
1: and get an idea of what you need to do, especially in the celebrity world. Like, But sometimes they come naturally. Sometimes I've thought of them. Like, For instance, this picture is the only one where I did a studio vibe. So in my driveway, I set up a 20 by scrim, a 12 by scrim, and I put two mm-hmm. lights behind it. And then off to the left here, there's a bounce board, bouncing that light that's coming in from behind, because she wanted to take pregnancy pictures um before she had her baby and mm-hmm. so when we were shooting the pregnancy stuff i'm like hey this would be a great drive-by picture because it's very important that you know I, it, it's scary to have a baby in this time and exactly it's like, to a, like going to a mm-hmm. hospital that's rampant with covid yeah. i mean how crazy is that so it's important and not have people with you. you yeah and yeah. She, yeah. she like yeah, So Sorry, she just wanted, like your partner, right? Yeah. yeah. So she wanted to do something. And I'm like, well, I took this old fabric because we were doing this other thing where she wrapped in the fabric. And I'm like, let's rip it up. And then when she put it on her head, it kind of formed like a mask. Mm-hmm. And I literally, you know, we got this shot. And it's almost mm-hmm. like still wearing a mask. It was kind of just interesting and cool. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, that happened because the thing was falling off her head. And I just screamed, don't move. And then we got yeah. this, you know, amazing shot yeah. that kind of put that, you know, in context
0: of the, the, the pandemic and 2020 and everyone involved in it. Absolutely. I mean, it is that it's really interesting that you thought to include this because it is like life didn't stop. And how scary is it bringing new life into this situation that feels overwhelming uh, and is dangerous? and then that idea of of the mask. And you're bringing me back. I mean, I worked for a long time on set and the synergy that can happen making shots is so much fun. Like, you know, it's just, it is so active. And I think even lots of people on the team know when you've got the shot, right? When it's just like stuff happens you couldn't have predicted and it comes together. And it's that idea of playing, that's really, really good. I was working on a shoot where um, uh, I didn't, there was a lot of people doing a lot of things at the same time and when I got on set, my assistant had literally stuck something that was in the studio, it was dried flowers like in the back of this fashion and it, it was perfect. And I just cracked up, like it was, it's that kind of stuff, right? It just happens and you just, yeah, it's all good. That's so fun. Um, I wanna um, give time before Paris comes on cause she'll help us talk about your show and talk about working with the gallery. So Deb, I don't know um, if, should we just try letting people unmute or do you wanna have people raise their hand? How do you wanna get people asking questions?
3: Yeah, I think we can have people unmute themselves.
0: Yeah, right. let's go. I'm ready.
1: Hey, boss. Hey, Tristan. Hey, yo. Hey, what's happening,
5: man? Not much. I miss you, man. B- I miss between you. Between these know. windows. You look, you look more like
1: James Dean every day.
5: <laughs> You're too much, dude. Um, Man, I've been doing a lot of street photography the last few years. Uh-huh. And I'm getting a lot of cool stuff, but I did notice, like, you know, I noticed when I used an iPhone, people might think that, I was like gonna make fun of them or something, you know? So I got, a, I got a better camera and then people were a lot more receptive. And I started saying, hey, can I take your portrait instead of can I take your picture? And they yeah. started really getting into it. But then I still run into like when, when it's time to shoot, it feels like I put too much attention on the camera or something, you know? And they get less candid and stuff like right away. But I noticed that doesn't happen very often when you're taking pictures of people.
1: Because when i take pictures of people on the street i keep everything on automatic
5: oh right on helmet, Full newton, on.
1: helmet newton said it the best if you ever notice and you walk doc, dr marina's on helmet newton uh-huh. he doesn't really have any assistance does he
5: wow okay
1: and he said why would i who what assistant is smarter than a camera wow he said what is the difference between me taking it on p which is full program, full auto point and shoot, or me having three assistants meter it and give me the exact same exposures. Wow. So what I do is have have it on autofocus and I have a, wi- you know, I keep it in the center, but I keep it on the wide center, you know? So it's not like a single shot. It's almost like the, the nine frames yeah. autofocus, but then I keep it on aperture priority. An aperture priority allows me to choose what aperture I want that automatically chooses the shutter speed. So I know on street photography, for the most part, I want to focus on a subject and have the background a little bit softer.
5: Yeah.
1: Right. So four. I keep it on like two, eight, four, and, and and generally there. Then I just, you know, point, shoot, point, shoot, point, shoot. When you're doing street photography, you may only get one shot. Yeah. The most important thing in the world is to make sure that it's in focus. Yeah. Because if it's not in focus, you don't have a picture. Right. right? So that's really, if that's the only thing I need to think about is composition and focus, then everything else happens automatically. And with today's cameras, especially the Leica cameras that I use, there's a nine-stop latitude range either way. So... Say the sun is bright, so I'm exposing for the sun, which is the camera will do automatically because it's light coming into the lens and that's what reflected back. So I know that I could just take the shadow tool and bump up all my shadows and now I have a completely exposed picture. I know that that's there, but if the sun is too bright and it's blown out and it's 255, which is pure white, there's no detail, there's no image. That's the way it's going to be, which is another reason why I use incandescent you know coming into the lens as opposed to metering you know the old traditional way like where you put the meter in front of the face a meter so street photography and things like that even when i'm in a studio environment you know i mean if i'm using anyone anytime i'm using natural light i'll take a reading with the camera and then see what the shutter speed and the aperture is that's your light meter there you go of course with digital now you see it Mm -hmm. and if you got the luxury of asking someone if you can take their portrait, which by the way is the most important thing with street photography. I learned the hard way again the other day when I was in New Mexico, there was this really cool guy sitting outside of this art gallery with the craziest outfit, big white beard drawing with a dog sitting at his feet. And I took a picture and he looked up and I was all like about to tell him like, Hey, and he's like, what are you doing? That was rude don't take a picture of me. What's wrong with you? That is rude. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, you know what? I just got so excited how cool you looked. He's like, don't give me that shit. And I was like, oh my God, like I couldn't even apologize to him. And I walked away and I felt guilty, dirty. I felt wrong. You know, and I forget, you know, especially you go to another country like Barbados or this and that. And you see this beautiful African worm in this beautiful, you know, like what a picture. Then you forget that like, it's almost like invading their privacy and everyone in the world goes, takes pictures of all these situations, makes books about them, makes a ton of money. They never give back to that person. Hmm. And the and yeah. people around the world, now that iPhones have been invented, they know, they know what you're doing. They know where these pictures are going. They know that you're going to put it on Instagram and millions of people are going to see it. And I think that it is, you should ask them. And if you're going to put it in a book, you should offer them some money. If you're getting a book. And so what I do now, and I totally slipped and I, and it it just, it's one of those things where it was a good reminder that you need to get their number. You need to ask them if it's okay. You need to tell them, if I do a coffee table book, I will send you a check. And you got to follow through with that. But I think that to your point, keep going and street photography is about numbers. It's about always having your camera with you, never miss a moment. And I think that you're right about the iPhone.
5: Yeah. You're a creep. I know, right? It's creepy. The iPhone, and I, it,
1: feels, it feels creepy because you, they think, A, that you're always
5: videoing. Yeah, they think you're videoing and they think you're gonna post it. And there's something, well, even, especially, with the, well, especially <laughs> with the film camera, though, they, they think that, that there's something about like you're doing art or something there's yeah. more of a, a runway to it being uh, represented in any other way but with an yes. iphone it's like i've had kids on the train like giggling and then i see their flash go off at me and yeah. i told them like hey buddy you know if you're gonna do this you should turn your flash off and they're like mortified yeah
1: <laughs> you know that's another one yeah uh, anyway, <laughs> you, Christian. thanks yeah
0: this made me think of something. When you're in in, in the video, um, there was paper going between you and Hillary Swank, and I thought to myself, "Is that a release?"
1: Yeah. Well, I off camera, I get I get you know I get releases, and then you, usually you just want to have something. The yeah. you know obviously your friends aren't going to sue you.
0: You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But
1: you know, mm-hmm. photography is weird because you own the rights to any picture you take, especially in public. You know what I mean? And unless it's discussed beforehand that they say, no, I don't want you to use that. Once they say that to you, then you don't have the right. You just don't mm-hmm. have the picture. You just can't really do anything with it. Mm-hmm. But I always am on the side of like, if someone didn't want their picture out there, why would I want it out there? Mm-hmm. 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 So, so it's always better to, to, to know, not that like, oh, you can take it. It's like, I want you to be excited about possibly being in my book. I want you to be excited to be on my Instagram. I want you to be excited that we have this photo. And do you like it before I do anything with it? Yeah. yeah.
3: Brian, we, we have a question from yeah. Christopher who says, I'm passionate about your, love your work. I'm passionate about photography ever since I was modeling in the nineties. With the pandemic last year, I decided to follow my passion, bought my favorite cameras and started practicing my craft. I am struggling with getting started with high profile clients for portraits and magazines for work. Wondering if you'd have any advice. Greatly appreciated. Thank you, Brian. Well,
1: I'm struggling too. You never stop struggling. Um, You're, you're, you're entering a um, part of your career that is, you know, very, very competitive very, very hard to break in and, um, you gotta get, you gotta get lucky. Hey, my, my, my biggest advice to someone like Christopher asking this question is, are you ready? Are you ready for the biggest a-lister in the world to come up to you and say, Hey, I want you to take my portrait for this thing. I need this, this, and this, are you ready at that moment? And capable to do what they need. You know what I mean? That means that now that you've shot a bunch of natural light and you've got some great photos, now you're in backstage behind their studio where they shoot. Now you've got to create a lighting scenario that will match a sunset shot that he wants to put that picture in. And we, we shoot at two o'clock. It's now 11. I can go do that. And on the way to the shoot, I'll be going over my mind where I'm putting lights, how to set up. and, And I know what to do. If you don't, if you can't answer that question, A, then you're not ready. You know what I mean? And that's not a deterrent. That means when you say you're practicing your lighting, did you go rent some equipment Did you go look at a picture and then duplicate it so you know how to do that situation, you know, that way when opportunity meets preparation, you're ready and you're going to kill it because in this industry, you don't get many shots, you know, usually you get one and when you shine that opens the door. So my, my biggest advice is to be ready and be careful what you wish for too early. You know what I mean? Um, second is keep, keep nailing things down and keep putting it out there in social media. Now DM celebrities that you want to shoot, have an idea ready. They're not just going to go and say, oh, this guy, Christopher picked up a camera, let me, uh, go do a shoot with him. You have to offer them something. you got to be ready to go. What can you do for them that would make them want to do it? Hey, do you need a headshot? I'll do a headshot for free. Hey, is there any picture you dreamed about doing that you want to use and keep for whatever you want? I would love to help you out and do it. You know what I mean? It's those things that are appealing to someone like, well, now that you mentioned it, I've always wanted to do a picture of me on a motorcycle cruising down PCH sunset. You know what I mean? Leather jacket, the whole spiel. Okay, let's do it. And then, You call your friend that has a motorcycle. You pick the time of day and then you work it out. And then you give that guy the greatest shot. You give him a gift. This is your shot you've always wanted. And now you've got that shot as well. Now you've got that relationship. Now he tells his friend, you know, Bruce Springsteen, dude, check out the shot. This guy, Christopher did. So it's all hitting the pavement. It's all hustle. It's all getting to the grind and working hard, but being ready and being really prepared. There are so many photographers these days that are just photographers because they got an iPhone or a camera. I love that, but I also need people to understand that that you're not a photographer yet. You're not your 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 you're, you're have a passion. Now make that passion a reality. And it doesn't happen in a year. I think Instagram. Um, and all other social media platforms confuse people into thinking that they're ready when they're not. And I don't mean to discourage people and listen, it took me 20 years, people get on Instagram and you start looking at me and, and other people. And it's like, you forget that I was in your situation for a long time. And I thought about giving up. I thought when my wife got pregnant and we couldn't pay our mortgage. I would have to get a job. So I called my friend that owned a restaurant at Chibo. And I was about to start working the takeout window. Like it's not, you know, all of us and all of our struggles are the same. And when you look at people that are successful, sometimes you don't know the backstory or you don't know how long it took them to get there. It just seems effortless. And it seems like they were, they were handed this, but that is not the case. I assure you, but it, it may be with me now there are success stories where people you know, all of a sudden, you know, come out of nowhere. You have to find where you fit in this industry and where you fit in the world. That's all, that's all that you can do and have thick skin and be ready for rejection. Cause there's a lot of it. Even to this day, I still get it. Gotcha. So I hope, that, I hope that encouraged you to push harder and, and, and keep going Christian.
0: That was great. I I'm going to, jump in with um, a couple of things. One, I want to welcome Paris Chong, who I see just jumped on our call, who's the curator and director of the LA Leica Gallery. Hi, Paris. Um, and get you, get you up to speed that we're basically um, asking right now, Brian questions. And I wanna open it up that if people wanna also ask you questions about um, the relationships between photographers, galleries, um, people are getting insight into how things happen. And I'm gonna read one more question that someone had emailed me prior and then I wanna just open it up again. But this is similar to Christopher's question. It's from Dominic and he said, if you have a photo um, a photography portfolio, what are the next steps to getting legitimate work? Is it cold calling? Is it being on a particular website? I, I kind of think you got you hit some of that.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll give you my story. When I wanted to go with um, copious management, which was originally called Montage, there was a lady named Kim Gillis that ran it, then um, Rick Callahan, was um, an agent under her, um, cause she owned the company. I walked in on Larchmont and saw that it said photo agency. So I walked in, went up, knocked on the door, opened the door and said, hey, I'm Brian, how are you? And they were like, good, are you delivering something? Like, what are you doing here? Looked at me like I was crazy. And I, legit, I literally said, no, I do photography and I, I'm looking for an agent and I was wondering if you guys would be interested. And they looked at me like I was, are you homeless? Like, what are you doing? And he said, uh, I don't know. And then she's like, what do you have a portfolio? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. And she's like, all right, we'll bring it by and we'll look at it. And I thought, oh, this is amazing. And the next day I came back, Hey guys, here's my portfolio. Um, they ripped it apart. They literally took out every picture except one. Took it out of the book and I'm looking at them like I spent my life savings making this, what the hell are you doing? Okay. So now I'm thinking these guys are crazy, you know, but then they got some of the biggest photographers in LA and this and that. They're like, you have one good photo. So come back in a year and do more photos like this. Can you imagine my face come back in a year? I'm like. Uh, okay. (laughs) So at, you know, after being pissed off and wondering what they did, you know, my wife's like, well, maybe they know what they're doing and maybe you should listen to them. And I'm like, you're on their side. Like, you know, maybe they don't. So once I finally got over being stubborn, I went and made more pictures like the one they said. A year later, I went back, knocked on the door They remembered who I was. What's up? Oh, my God. Well, I did a bunch. Okay, let's check them out. Check out. You know, now I have four pictures. (laughs) And said, come back in a year. You can DM Copious. This is a true story. And I'm like, I don't have. I'm like, how long does this take? I need work. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but I knew I wanted to be without agency. And I knew that this is the way to do it. So now this is now come back in another year, not like, you know, come back when you're ready or you get, like they said, it's going to take a year. They know what they're doing. And they don't want to see you for a year because there's no way that you can do what we're asking you to do in anything under a year. And so, I mean, it took three years. And finally, one day, you know, they invited me for lunch and they said, you know, we're taking on one person that we want to grow and, and groom, you know, and would you like to be that person? And I was so discouraged at this point, this and that, that I didn't know what she was saying. And I'm like, well, yeah, you, that's a stupid question. Of course, you know, and then she's like, good. And I'm like, oh, let me guess. See you in a year, you know, like I was waiting for that. And then she's like, she's like, okay, good. And then, and then she's like, well, maybe just tomorrow, I'll bring your portfolio in and let's go through it again and this and that. And then she's like, you literally aren't excited. And I'm like, well, I know, but like, and I was like, wait, are you asking me to be, am I in? She's <laughs> like, yes, but that's what I, and I'm like, wait, and I couldn't really, because I wasn't expecting this to happen. So... Hmm. I, I mean, I, I literally started crying and I was like, hugging her and big high five and I can't believe it. And then, you know, then they basically bred me. So what it is to answer your question with my run on stories is it took me a while and I just went in and just didn't take a no for an answer and said, I'm coming back doing this, that yes, cold calls, do them. Yes, if you know the address of an agency or an agency you wanna be with, more importantly, Find out what you want to do. Do you want to do product shots? Do you want to do portraits? Do you want to do headshots for actors? Do you want to do entertainment? Do you want to do fashion? Do you want to shoot cars? Do you want to do books? Find out what it is you really want to do because you can't do everything. And when you know what you want to do, you can go after it. Then you know what agencies are the best for that. My agency is strictly entertainment. I knew that's what I wanted to do. That's why I stayed with them. And I and I and I you know got got lucky after three years, but most people are like you know I ain't in three years, well then you ain't gonna get an agent if that's mm-hmm. what they're telling you. You know what I mean? I When agree. you wanted to date that girl and that guy, right? Maybe at first they weren't interested. Did you give up? I didn't. Now I'm married to it. <laughs> You know what I mean? You got to prove yourself and you got, you know, I mean, I mean, ask Paris. I'm I'm sure it's the same with galleries. No, everyone can't be in a gallery. Yeah, everyone can't be in a gallery. at at Paris's level. That's for sure. I still got goosebumps when she (laughs) told me that I was going to be in the show.
2: Well, well, I agree with you there as far as like, you know, I think people have to realize, especially now with the way the world is, you do have to hustle and you can't just wait around for someone to knock on your door. You have to try. I'm like in the middle of so many portfolio reviews right now with Meet the Curator through Leica and I'm doing the Palm Springs Photo Festival and, you know, the Lucy Awards, all these different portfolio reviews. And I think people expect yeah people want to get in a gallery so bad but it's not the be all and end all to start off your career in a gallery you have to try other ways like i started doing pop-ups all over town wherever i could hang art i did i hung art in in restaurants and bars and friends homes and, and dinner parties and Uh, I did all kinds of vernissages and private events and uh, like friends that were real estate agents. I'd stage homes. I just did whatever I could to show my art. You do have to go out there and knock on some doors and you do have to be proactive. And I agree with them, with um, trying to figure out what it is, uh, what Brian said, you kind of want to hone in on what you're really good at and what your passion is is about. Instead of having so many different subjects, you want to really focus in or one uh, on one or two things that you're really passionate about like Brian knew he wanted to do celebrity work and then of course he did. By the way Brian I just wanted to tell you that uh, we have a mutual friend star Oakland.
1: Oh the the body painter. Yeah and she showed pictures of
2: you when you were a youngin oh my lord you were like a little fox.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm like an old grizzly bear.
2: Bleach blonde hair, I was like that, I mean, not that you're not as handsome as hell right now, but I was like, oh. I'm really young, bleach blonde hair, so cute. She showed me these pictures you took of her kids, and yeah. I oh got, so she wanted me to tell you to say hello.
1: Oh, I know, I just was, I was just talking to her last
2: week. Yeah, so, and I just also want to throw in there right now for all our LA people, Brian's show, Dancing with Angels, is showing right now at Like a Gallery in West Hollywood. It's on Beverly and Robertson. We have his drive-by books. We have the paper, we have the soft covers and a special edition that includes a print that's quite incredible. I think I sent you an email, I need some more. I need some more of these, Brian, we sold out.
1: All right, they're coming to you. I'll bring them by
2: tomorrow. Whenever you could come in and sign them. So Brian. Incredible. And he has a huge following and I uh, and it's nice to see how many fans you have that come in and that people just really love you and it's a ne- and it's also nice to work with people that are nice that don't have egos that aren't you know, or aren't difficult as a gallery curator it makes my life so much easier if you just get your attitude out of your way and you're nice like Brian is so sweet and all the guys showing right now everyone's just so cool there's nothing worse than than a diva or a I like to call them male divas amoeba. Yeah. I, I can't handle it so just you know you, be be nice <coughs> and work with be you know get get it don't you don't have to be so uptight and and difficult there's a lot of people that are hard to work with and it makes it you know, it's, I've met a lot of incredible photographers, but if they have an attitude, I can't work with them. So it, yeah. I, it's such a pleasure to work with you. You're so funny and lovely. And, and um. I love seeing the picture of you when you were younger, but, um, yeah, me too. But yeah, I keep, I,
1: trying, it, to, I keep trying to show my wife that picture. I'm like, remember,
0: <laughs> I bet she does.
1: Yeah, she does.
0: Um, Thanks. I'm going to open it up just to ask, because now that you're both on, um, for other people that are listening to, to unmute and ask a question. I want that
1: beautiful girl, Linda, over there to ask a question. Linda, ask your question. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I want to know. Do you have one? You're so pretty. Linda! Hi,
3: Linda. All right, guys. <laughs> put me on the spot.
1: <laughs> hey, well, that's what i do.
3: Uh, yeah, well, uh, I love your stories, but I mean, I find this idea of framing. Mm-hmm. This is a really brilliant thing that you've done, is to create a new frame for the vision of people. I mean, it's not like any of all of us have taken drive-by's of here and there, but to actually envision this as a frame and to make multiple different frames and i want to know how this framing concept
1: grew you know i'll be honest i think like most things that i do um it happened naturally and it happened when it happened i paid attention and then it forced me to experiment further mm-hmm. so i think it's one of those happy accidents where you pay attention and I just knew it was right. You ever do something you just feel, I didn't know, I didn't know or care what other people, how they were going to respond. I thought at first, is this going to be too much repetition? Are people going to get sick of seeing it? people And then I just said, I never did. And I thought there's only four windows in that truck. And <laughs> using those four, it was different every time. Sometimes it was just a mirror. Some I was un, I was, when I laid out the book, I really went through it really hard. And 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 I gotta say, I felt just like you. And when I looked at it like that and I said, well, if I'm I'm not sick of seeing it, I'm not sick of any picture. The book was, by the way, I kind of screwed myself because the book was supposed to be half the size. So I priced it at half the size. I did the weight for shipping at half the size. I packaged it at half the size. Mm-hmm everything was double price yes. number, shipping double. I mean, shipping, you know, turned into like $25,000 more. I'm like, I couldn't, and I'm like, what did I do? And then the price point, I wanted it to be $40 because the little book would have been $40 and shipping would have been more, but then it was like, no, now that book should have been $80. But I just said, you know what? It's worth it. And I couldn't, I couldn't edit pictures out of that book. I tried to almost put, I shot every person that I shot really is in the book because I could it just, it was too important. And then I had to, I had travel stuff. I had to travel all that stuff. So it was just, it just became, it just, it is what it is.
3: So um, just to bring you back a bit to, you know, this curious picture, I've taken a number of times uh, of uh, myself uh, with self-portraits in the car mirror.
1: Yeah.
3: You know, and I haven't seen your book yet, but are there any well, images? I mean, the you, car
1: mirror? Address, or, you know what? Paris is going to send you one. Okay. Uh, um, she's my um, friend.
3: You know, I had a show at, at, at like a gallery too of my Chelsea hotel work, and yeah. and
2: I wanted Linda's books when you come in the Chelsea Hotel. so I'll have a book for you. I know that book. I didn't know that you did that.
3: I I love years that. to She's, get that show. Yes, I she never gave up. Paris never gave up on me. It didn't. It was supposed to happen one year, and then another more famous um, Henry cartier Brasson got in the way.
1: But what could I, mean? oh, what could I do? Oh, but but see what I mean? Like that's you know you you. I can already tell just by, like, this is the thing about, that goes back to almost that portrait. And and it's not like, I'm already looking at you. Now that you've spoke two words, now I really want to do a portrait of you. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how people get drawn to each other. And then, you know, not even knowing that she's got this incredible talent behind her and we have so much in common. But she'll understand the struggles. And you see her work and you're like, I can see Paris's struggle of, I've got all, like when you go in, like, oh, Paris doesn't like me. She didn't want to put me in a show. That's not it at all. It's that she's got 50, 60 people wanting the same month that are all extremely talented in their own ways. How do you narrow it down? And you're you're also competing with the
2: monochromes and SL2s and (laughs) SL3s. Yeah, yeah. You know, as a camera. Yeah, like, like, is that way where we can't, we have things scheduled. Like I had things scheduled for two years in 2020 and this year that we had to push all back because of COVID. But then we, and then we wanted to work with more of the local artists just because it's easier to and safer. But um, if there is a new, I've worked at a lot of galleries, but uh, like is different where if there's a camera launch, it doesn't matter who you are, your show's getting bumped. So, <laughs> and I'm not, not canceled just pushed out because we have to if there's a new camera launch it's we got to sh- do we got to make sure we're showing the art of the the whatever whatever artist is shot with that camera so it's a little bit different there and it's and it's not fun for me to to always be the bad guy and move those shows but everybody seems to understand and 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 like in life in general when something's meant to be it will happen at that time and it's and that's the perfect time for it to happen anyways but um, but yeah, it's it's different, a little different at Leica because your competition sometimes isn't another artist; it's a camera. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. good, so good, so great! I love that connection, and I love that you're going to exchange books. That is awesome, and potentially you're going to be a subject, Linda. So we shall see what happens. Um, what other what other questions do we have out there? Sib, so we have a question from Amelia.
3: Mm-hmm. who has two questions, actually. She wants to know, are you using digital now? Uh, only digital now? And do you show people what you've done after taking a portrait photograph?
1: Um, I mean, I, I do use digital, but I, I, I still <clears> at <throat> sometimes, like uh, next week I'm going to shoot tintypes types in New Mexico. Um, I love experimenting, I love printing, I love all parts of photography, but most of my business requires digital. I've embraced digital since the beginning, and here's a fun fact that you would never imagine. When digital started, and I was still assisting her Brits, he was playing with a digital camera. No one ever saw a digital camera yet, and he got one from a company and he was already trying to figure out digital. I almost fell over thinking the most, the master of black and white film, what is the greatest of all time is thinking about going digital. I just thought you're, and he said, oh yeah. He goes, he goes, if, the, if times are changing, I change with them. He goes, but just, I need to, what I'm to do is figure out how to get digital to look like my film. Mm-hmm. I just remember going genius. And ever since then I've embraced it and been chasing that thing. Even we would scan black and white film, a high-res drum scan, extract the grain and use that as a layer in Photoshop over a digital picture. So there's real film grain on the picture, yeah. you know? So I embrace digital and the fact that a client's, have to see what they're getting. If they're gonna pay you thousands and thousands of dollars and put all this money up for a shoot, they wanna know they got the shot. The pandemic. I can shoot and have 10 clients sitting in their offices watching what I'm doing, because of digital. Um, There's nothing wrong with digital at all. It is there. It has been there. Every, you know, my fine art photography, I still shoot digital. Then, you know, so you know your husband, made silver gelatin prints for my books mm-hmm. from a digital file. So you're still embracing the you know the, the traditional, that's a traditional silver gelatin print, but made with digital. Now I'm not mocking anyone who wants to shoot film. I'm not mocking anyone that that has their process. For me, I embrace digital. I think that you can learn twice as fast. If I learned on a digital camera and could see my mistakes and not have to write down each frame number, what the lighting condition was, what f stop I was. I for the for the longest time everything was blurry, and I thought that I would, I had to go get my eyes checked. I didn't realize mm-hmm. anything at a 30th a second, you're getting motion blur. It took mm-hmm. me about a year to figure that out. With a digital camera, you can figure it out in five minutes. So embrace it, then learn about it. You know what I mean? And then you're on your you're on your way. So so yes, digital is your friend. Awesome. AD, I forgot the other part of that question.
0: <laughs> if you show people the image,
1: like, and that's, I think you said something any about image, that. But yeah, yeah any, any image that I take and you see that's, that's, uh, uh, you know, listen, I'm not one big on Photoshopping to the point where it's not the person anymore. I'm not big on Photoshop. I'm, I'm big on Photoshopping things that annoy me like a light in a background. I, I I love, you know, your Photoshop, I look at is, is my developing tool. So instead of waving a wand over to burn a highlight, I trace it out and I predict the highlight tool and I take that highlight down. So in a sense, my digital lab is Photoshop. My digital lab is Capture One. You can't have one without, a digital file is boom. It's a raw file. That's a file like you take on film. Now, sometimes that's amazing. And if you want to, you know, sometimes with my monochrome, which is what I used for all of this book and drive-bys, I literally did not have to do much of those pictures because the camera already shot black and white the, the highlights and mid-tones are so beautiful in that camera that sometimes all I would do is maybe add a little grain. That's it. It was super easy. I don't, the less I can do to a picture, the better it is for me. Do you know what I mean? My work sometimes I hand off and people do what they do, but that's because I'm a DP to them. I don't get to say, hey, Paramount, I don't like what you did with my picture. They have concepts and it matches the movies. I'm, I'm, I'm at their service when you do work. And that's something that it's hard for some photographers and people to let go of is that that's my art, that's my work. I don't want anyone destroying it. Well, then don't do entertainment. Do your own work, you know what I mean? To me, I'm like, what is it you need? And I love this. Well, we're gonna build this huge set and we're gonna do all these things, you know? And, and then my job is to help create with them, uh, you know? And I think that that's really cool. And I enjoy that and I, I, I don't mind it. So I embrace all types of technology. I've taken some amazing photos with my iPhone. know what i mean and there's you know look if it's your iphone it's whatever it's it's use what tools you got and let the picture speak for itself and don't worry so much about what anyone else thinks you weren't around when picasso painted that picture but you saw the end result and it blew people's mind you know what i mean who cares and don't worry if someone like oh people who shoot film are better are boogie boarders subservient to surfer still is, are you, you know, if you rollerblade, are you still, you know, not cool? Like, come on, dude, this stuff is all it, it, Art artists should, should be from here and it should stay in here for yourself. It, there's not, you're not going to impress everyone. And I, and, and, and I got so hung up on my whole career thinking that I had to impress people to to get to where I want to be. And how can you not, and it's, it's scary. And you get thought in your head to the point that I was doing pictures that I didn't even like, and I didn't like the style. I just thought that that's, it's in right now. And if I do it, I'll start working more because I can do this and I want to show everyone what I can do. And it's like, maybe you need to show them what you think is really cool. Especially in the fine art world, like forget throw everything out the window. You just got to say, do I like this photo? Do I like this painting? Is this cool? And if I say to myself yes, then I put it out there in the world. You know, Paris doesn't remember this, but I've been in to see Paris before, (laughs) about ten years ago. And what I didn't understand is that I went in there with a book that had not all Leica pictures, but she owns. She's in the Leica gallery, so you know she gave me good advice. She's like, well, what we do is you know we represent Leica photographers mostly that use our cameras, that's why it's a Leica gallery, right? You don't think that I went out and bought a Leica camera as soon as <laughs> I could? I saved up and I got the M8, the first digital Leica camera. I made sure I got that. And I started doing everything with fine art with my Leica camera in hopes to one day, and this is a true story, to mm-hmm. be in the Leica gallery.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You've arrived. Now I'm in. You know it, I-, I mean, that, it took, you know, a long time and it was still coincidental and it was still, you know, perfect timing. You know what I mean? So it like that struggle is real and and everyone goes through it.
2: You know, I always, I, I you know, what I, I don't, I don't, I can't believe you brought that up. I feel like I'm having a dementia moment. I don't remember that. Isn't that
1: terrible? I'm so horrible would it. because I did it. I did it the same way. I do everything else. I walked in, you were sitting at your desk. You were working. I had my book and I said, Hey, I want to show you some of my stuff. And, and literally you took five minutes. You looked at everything. You were like, wow, these are great, but this is what we're doing. And you were in the middle of curating a show. And I can't believe you gave me that much time. No, but that- you, gave me, you gave me great advice, like my agent did, come back in a year. Um, it just took 10.
2: Yeah. You know, I do feel, I always feel like such a jerk telling people, oh, it's the light, you know, you have to have a light to shoot. With, you know to show at this gallery yeah go out and buy one of the most expensive cameras in the world i mean i hate saying that and and, and but-
1: but it's what but it is and but let me tell you it's <laughs> someone like me and, and i'm sure linda would do is like when I, we get the opportunity and that's what we want to do and you get in there you feel like you've made it i know like, this is what i went after i knew that so i went after it knowing that so it's it's actually like yes i want to be a part of the best camera company in the world and I want them to pay attention to me and I want them to want me to be in their gallery because then guess what when you know they're taking the best of the best when you know that you're at a level with some of the greatest photographers that ever walked the earth yeah that toots your horn a bit
0: how did you, how did that, um, the present show get started? The Dancing with Angels, part of City of Angels, was that, did you go looking for, um, uh, did you I, have a concept? Let, we'll let Parasite answer that. Yeah.
2: I Well, I, I, I decided to call the show City of Angels because it was all local LA boys that we were working with, you know, so it's like this really cool, like group of LA men. Uh, Brandon Boyd who's also showing one of Brian's really good friends who's the lead singer of Incubus he's also hanging up right now and he's got these incredible paintings which we don't usually uh, show paintings but originally the idea was Brian and um, Brandon were going to get together and do a mixed media piece with the painting on the photo which I thought was really incredible but because of COVID they weren't able to get together and make that happen and I already I, I just decided to go ahead and show the paintings anyway since this year's felt like Uh, Groundhog's Day I kind of wanted to look at something different for a little while and it was nice to add the painting element into this and art is art and photography and paintings it just complements each other the show is so gorgeous if you're in LA you have to come in and then we also have Stefan Venasco, who did these beautiful photos of LA Dodger Stadium the Hollywood sign Griffith Park Observatory uh, the 10 freeway I mean just these incredible photos Sunset Boulevard from a helicopter and he has these Mm. gorgeous Pope, huge photo, over 40 by 60 photos. That, so I just thought, okay, these are all really out Los Angeles feeling. So I thought city of, a- and then Brian had the angels and we originally wanted to show the drive-by show, but it's, you know, because he's getting so much press and the book and everything, this was really a solo show that he has to do at some point. And we kind of wanted to do this group show um, for now because it just, we have so now, like I said, we're backed up. I have so many people waiting to show now. It's like very hectic for me. So it's, and our space is so big. It's nice to have more than just one thing at a time to look at. So, so that's kind of how that came about. And it's just like the most beautiful show. And the coolest thing about this show was that I had no idea that Brian and Stefan Banasco were not planning to put any glass over their prints, so both mm. of those have no glass over the, um, the the framed images, and it really makes you uh, it really just shows you how vibrant and beautiful the prints are, and it's kind of like my new favorite thing now, and it also screams. I can afford art because I'm not worried about protecting these prints because a lot of people are scared to buy, you know, something without glass on it to protect it. But I mean, I can't tell you how gorgeous they look. They're just incredible. I'm absolutely, I just love the way this looks. I think it's kind of like a new way to go. And I do want to talk a teeny, teeny bit about, you know, the silver gelatin, because I know that's what what Eric does and that's how, how we know each other. And um, I just think that it's like a, the, the digital is so incredible but you know, I'm also a really big fan of film just because I feel like it's a it's gonna be, a, sooner than later, a really lo- it's gonna be a lost art form and it's unless people are doing it. So I think the, the, a lot of the value of photography is gonna be those silver gelatin prints but I also love how how, how people are using the negatives to do the silver so it looks really cool. But um, the the angel shows gorgeous. I mean, they're just these beautiful photos, and they're nudes, wow. but they're not in-your-face nudes, which we don't want to do because, just from my experience in the past, I'll try everything to see what's selling and what's moving and working. Nudes don't do great at our gallery, and I don't know why, but. Um, um but these ones just are so artistic and so beautiful and it was so it's such a pleasure to work with all three of these guys we all we got together to do a little photo shoot and it just the synergy of the three of them together was was really magical yeah. and it's, it's one of the prettiest shows I've ever hung I mean it is oh. and you know I'd be happy to like if someone's not in LA I can also just send like a little video of the of the show it's just so pretty and um and yeah. every for sale so if you're looking for fine art and everyone's stuck at home right now this is the time to start collecting and 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 looking at
1: beautiful things in your home yeah Um, I'm gonna let's let let Ryan ask his question he's been waiting a while yeah yeah go
4: hey everybody um thanks for taking my question uh I'm a working commercial editorial photographer but I do a lot of personal work I come up came out as like a fine art photographer when I was young um, and I guess my question is doing personal work now, this might be for Paris. I'm not sure if it's you, Brian, or anyone else who's up there, but how do you go about, uh, finding grants or money to produce work? Because some of the projects I have are too vast for me to pay out of pocket that I'm interested in. I, uh,
1: I dated a, a rich older men. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> works. works for and me. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll, so you,
4: I'll, I'll
1: tell, tell you what um i'll tell you to to hit on your question for me first yes that's always um the question right is that i've got this concept how do i afford to do it a you've got kickstarter you know what i mean um you could go that route and see if other people uh have the same idea as as you as far as i like this i want to see this come to to life and you never know what could happen um B, what I did is I say, I, and this is the only way I do it is, and even like with the Angels project, there wasn't much to it. It was two modeling lights, a black background in my garage, a complete darkness, and then, you know, the camera. So I think that for me, the more simple, the better anyway. So anything, anyone can do what I did with two lights from Home Depot. So it doesn't, art doesn't have to be expensive to make. If you're using your tools to create something that is expensive. Does that make any sense?
4: Yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, I agree with that. My projects, I'm not really talking about the cost of making them. Um, uh, it's more about uh, once it gets to a certain, like I have a series I'm doing right now. that's all about, uh, it's called the, um, uh, these faces of, and I basically am picking demographics of subcultures and showing how all the faces are different. So I'm doing one on motorcyclists right now, uh, and I've shot maybe 36 of them. And the question is, how do I take that to the next step? Where I, sh- who do I, sh- how do I br- bring this to the next stage? Where it's like I want to shoot more than. J- I live in New York, so I've shot a bunch here, but I want to be able to take this and shoot people all over the place. So that way, it creates a larger. Feel like I want to do 100, 200 portraits of all these different people to show how vast, vastly different a demographic can be with underneath the helmet. Because usually people see motorcyclists, and they're wearing a helmet, and you don't know who they are, or you think of them as being, you know, huge beards, oh, yeah. outlaws. I just want to show the variety in a sense. So it's uh, yeah. like, so, where so, I go from there?
1: Well, I don't know. You sell your couch. <laughs> you do what you gotta do. I mean, honestly. You sit around and wait for someone to help you and it's not gonna happen. You you do whatever oh, that, you to do, you jump in your car, you get a, you, a, a you, you print them out. So when you go to another state and you wanna find people, I Instagrammed people and said, look at this picture I did, I'm gonna do some more. They'll find you. And then say in Chicago, you get 10 people that hit you up and like, dude, I wanna be a part of this. Then you figure out how do I get to Chicago? You load up your car you put your camera equipment in there and you go do it. And if you have to eat ramen soup along the way, then eat ramen soup along the way. (laughs) Then when you're done, you make everything, you complete it. You make them look how you wanna look, ready for a show. Then you take it in and you walk into Paris and you go, hey, (laughs) I did this amazing project. Would you take a look at it? Some people are gonna say no. Some people are gonna say yes. I went, to a, I went to a gallery in New York City with my white series that was very successful in LA, sold out show. And I wanted to bring it to New York. I went into a gallery that someone recommended. And this is the reaction I got. Hey, I'm Brian. I was told that to so-and-so to come agents that not interested. We're booked. Just like that.
4: Yeah, there's a lot of room.
1: And I said, okay. Turned around and walked out.
4: It's a lot That's of respect it. in this
1: world. Now look, now I'm in. Now I'm in the Leica gallery with Paris. So it's it's really about how much you want this and how much you want to hustle. How much? How much are you willing to give to make your project come to life? Because me, when yeah. I did mine, I was w- willing to give everything. I was spending shitloads of money I didn't have during a pandemic, when we're losing money. And thank God, my wife is understands my brain and understands what I wanted to do and got it and said, do what you got to do. You know, she literally said, if we have to sell our house, we have to sell our house. And I thought that's, if that doesn't show you or give you a reason to be determined and to really want to make this happen. And I still look at the book and go, I can't believe I did this. Mm. I really can't. You know, I still, I'm I'm so excited. I, People think that, you know, oh, you're at. A, I'm like, I'm not at a level of shit. I look at the greatest photographers in this world and still am trying to chase their coattails. You know what I mean? So it's it's one of those things where, like, if you really want it, Ryan, do what you got to do to make it happen, but get out there and do it. Don't wait. Don't wait for things to align. People ask, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, what's the best time to have a baby? I don't know when you have sex. <laughs> There's no greater time. There's no... Sometimes you don't know and like you think you can't afford a baby. guess what you make it happen. There are single mothers that are raising four kids and those kids get the best love in the world. They may not be going around and going to Disneyland and and eating the best food, but you can love a child unconditionally and that is more than you can do. you know that's just like the best thing ever and that doesn't cost a thing. And guess what sometimes that kid grows up and now, She's the vice president of the United States of America. So you don't know. like, And then what if she didn't have that baby? You know, life is scary. Life is pretentious. Life is grueling. Life is beautiful. You know, I decide if you live enough good days in your life, you'll have a good life. You know, if you, if you practice hard enough at what you want to do, you'll eventually, you'll either be okay at it or you'll be brilliant at it. But one thing is for certain, the more you get your shit out there, the more you kind of knock on doors, the more you just say, I don't care if you think I'm bothering you, tell me to either F off or help me. Mm -hmm. The more opportunities open up. And I think that you're in a situation where it sounds like you know what you're doing. I love the idea. I mean, I can see your book right now as a dude on a motorcycle with his helmet on you, you know, and you in the next page is a portrait of his face. Like that's what that dude looked like? It's interesting. I'm in. Thanks. Hey
5: sa hey saw it off. Hey saw it off. can I jump in? Can I jump in for a
2: minute?
0: Except um I actually want to let Ariel come in because the I've seen Hold that. Hold on, hand. is that is that Nash?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Hold on, Ariel,
5: yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I love that idea too, man. I mean, him throwing that out there, you know, just that, like what you were saying, give it, throwing this guy a bone, you know, being in the motorcycle world for 20 years, this is something that's always been close to my heart too. So if you want an opportunity, hit me up, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm
4: sure Brian, Brian
1: will be down, so by the down way, to help by the out and give you some more advice. Yeah. This I appreciate dude, that. that, that the, this, this dude is no joke, Ryan. Like take him up on that.
4: All right. Uh, he, he, is it Tabor? Is it Tabor Nash? Yeah,
5: Nash Motorcycle Company. Just hit me up
4: on Instagram and we can chat. All right. All
1: right, Yeah, uh, right, What you got? Awesome.
2: Hey, Brian. Hi, babe. Um, how are you doing? Good. Um, so I was wondering, with the Drive-By Series, is there anything that you learn and take away from that series? Um, and oh. then... Um, do you think anything that you learned you would apply to like your normal day-to-day or, you know, commercially with the entertainment industry as well?
1: Um, I don't think I've learned. I, what I do in my entertainment thing is um, is, is, is pretty much set in stone. It's, it's knowing your lighting, you know, trying to get the job and um, just just doing the best job that you can within that team. What I learned on my trip was how much, you need to still feed your soul with your passion of things you want to do. Every day that there was a struggle, there were so many more days where I'm like, I can't believe I'm traveling the country, just shooting whatever I want, whenever I want, with just people I'm meeting. And actually, to go back to, I just took that same concept and went to the desert with Davor Nash, the Marshall guy who just talked, and we just shot a whole bunch of amazing photos of us throwing hatchets riding motorcycles, eating out of a fire, you know what I mean? And and just taking pictures the whole way and documenting it And, and using it, using a gift that I found within myself and actually applying it to make it fun again was something that I forgot, you know, how amazing it is to do and how important things are. Like, you know, you think about war photographers and, 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 and journalists, and and, and I, I always have been attracted to what sacrifices they made to get a photo and what sacrifices, you know, they, they risked their life. You know what I mean? And they did it, because when you're out doing it, you you feel it's fun. And you're yeah. searching for those photos and, and, you, and you get anxiety and you get excited and you're looking for them. You know what I mean? It's almost like hunting if you will. And, and, and you get addicted, to, and let me tell you, there's no better feeling in the world than when you get back home, you open them up and you realize you got some good stuff. And then you send it to some people and then they, you know how much they love it because they look so cool and you know what I mean? And whether they want to mm. admit it or not, they know like, damn, I look hot in this picture. I can't <laughs> wait for people to see this. I'm not gonna tell them, but I know in the back <laughs> of my mind it's gonna be a good one. You know what I mean? So I guess, yeah. I'm, but I'm always continuing to learn. You know, when I did this series, it wasn't easy. You had to, you're basically in a big tripod with the truck. So when you found a location where you wanted to shoot someone, sometimes they would be like, we have to come back here at six o'clock. Because right now mm. the sun is coming right in my eyes. But if we come back at six o'clock, the sun is mm-hmm. going to be right here in the it's sky. Yeah. Every iPhone has an app. I did a sundial and I knew exactly where I wanted the light to be. Or did I want to just over the horizon and get that blue hour depending on each location. So sometimes, you know, I'd have to change the location to, that would fit the scenario or I'd have to wait and give the person an exact time to meet me back there. Mm-hmm. So you really had to know your light. You really had to know what the hell was going on. And sometimes it was just as quick as you see something on the road and you shoot it and you pray it comes out. And a lot of those did work. And then sometimes it was like, like for instance, Hillary Swank, you know, we needed that soft sunset directly on them. And we needed it off a little bit to the right behind me. So my truck didn't cast a shadow on them. So I literally planned that out and said, I'll meet you here. I went up in the morning thinking that I would get it at sunrise, but the sun was just up so fast. So then I'm like now, and then I looked sundialed it and said, 625, meet me right here. And then I already knew where I was gonna put the truck, what was going to, all I had to do is get them in there and shoot it. So there was some kind of planning involved with every picture. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see some like the ones up now, yeah, we planned on doing that sunset, then a storm came, but ended up working out perfect. There's a certain eeriness to this picture. And I love the raindrops on the window. Like, so mm-hmm. everything happens for a reason. You know what I mean? But definitely, yeah. definitely it's also a lot of these are planned out. They're not just lucky shots.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I just want to jump in and um, say a couple of things because um, Dominic, I see your hand up and I, I, I actually did ask your question. I hope you were on for that. But um, Brian, are you good with going a few minutes over? Because ah, we oh, are. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. And Dominic, I jump don't wanna,
1: on. I don't want to leave it
0: unanswered.
5: Awesome. Sorry, what did you ask me? I might have been on mute during that time.
1: No, and I, I, did you write? You wrote. Oh together? yeah, yeah. I had another
5: question actually.
1: That's fine. Go go.
5: Yeah. So, Brian, as a photographer, um, I feel like there are so many different types of lighting equipment that are coming out all the time, um, and I would and I want to learn how to use every single thing. Now, let me ask you: as a photographer. Do you usually leave it up to your grip or your gaffer to know how to use all the equipment? Because as photographers, I know we all, you know how to use everything?
1: No, no. because if I don't know what each light does and I don't know what the difference between a soft box and a soft silver umbrella or an Elinchrom is, I can't tell someone what I want. Do you know what I mean? So what I did was I went to a grip house and I paid the guy 200 bucks and I said, after work, will you walk me through what each thing is and what the name of it is? So I knew what the equipment was. Then I would rent equipment, right? Set up my living room and I would shoot each light on either a mannequin or if a friend was there. And I would figure out what that source did and then looked and see if I liked it. Then when I knew what each source would do, and, and, and by the way, I would also go to Home Depot and just get those little lamps put some diffuser over it and then, and then put that in different positions to see where I wanted light. Cause when you're seeing it with your eye and you take a photo of it, you know what you're getting. Cause you're seeing it. Strobes are different because you have to meter, you have to get it right. And then you have to adjust the different angle of the strobe. So it's really just playing around and knowing what each thing does. So, you know, in your mind, so when you see a photo, I can, I can look at any photo, and I can tell you what light they used or one close enough to get the same effect, where they put it, what, what the aperture was, um, and, 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 di- and dissect it to I know how to do any lighting scenario possible. So, so you, you shouldn't rely on gaffers or, or anyone, because then they're going to do what they think is right. And, and then you're basically, that's like Picasso saying, hey, finish this picture for me.
4: <laughs> no you're good yeah definitely cool. is it really
1: Picasso's picture after that when I get done with a photo shoot or I get done with anything I know I and sometimes this will be an interesting thing as I'll go to New York and or I'll go to somewhere and there'll be an assistant that knows more than me and is preventing me and I'm going to help you out like don't do that you should do this you know and I'm like that's cool but if I'm going to make a mistake it's going to be my mistake and You're here to to help me get my job done. Not to sound arrogant or like an asshole, but like if I tell you to do something, it's for a reason that I know. So with my job, if I mess it up completely and never get a good job again, what do you care? But sit and learn. And then you'll learn that some people do things very differently. And then you're like, wow, I never, okay. I never thought of that, you know?
5: Yeah, that's why I asked because I know some photographers are like they they don't know shit about equipment and they'll just tell other people. So I I was just I, I was wondering what type of photographer you were in that sense. I'm, I'm like great. I like to learn
1: everything. By the way, I don't I don't condone that. If you need people to set things up and do everything for you and you push a button, you're still making the picture and you're still you know, you're getting the picture and you're getting out of the client. I know people that are amazing and they have a great eye, but don't know anything about photography. I'm not it it, that's fine, because the picture's still amazing, and no one no one knows what happened behind the scenes, and, and quite frankly, no one really cares unless you're a photographer like you that's interested. I personally don't think I can expand or make a great picture if I don't know how to do it technically. And I'm a nerd, like I I could sit and talk technical all day long, hundred percent, because I love I love being smart at something. I wasn't a good book smart, you know, I can't spell. I was a terrible student. So when I'm good at something and I know it, I love to talk about it. I love to educate people about it. It makes me feel good and worth something in this world. So I, I get very hands on and I also learn if someone's gonna teach me something, I'll do it and look at it and go, wow, that's amazing. Thank you. I'm not saying I don't, you know, I listen to everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. If you've got a great idea, you got a great idea. And if you want to share it, share it. And I'm a full believer. It's like, I'll share any of my secrets. I don't have secrets. I have the way I do things. And then if, if you want to learn and you're in the right situation, you learn and I teach you and go out and do it. I'm not threatened by that. I'm not like, oh, if I give you all my secrets, then you're going to go do it. And then you're me. And then I'm going to lose my jobs. That's not going to ever happen. Because that's not how the industry works. You know what I mean? there be like trainers going, you know, Well, painters are different because painters individually are what makes that, you know what I mean? But we all get ink and paper. We all get, we all, we're all dealt the same tools, you know, Mm -hmm. like cavemen, here's five axes, go out and bring some dinner home. Some (laughs) people bring home bears, some people bring home squirrels.
5: (laughs) Awesome. Cool. Thanks man.
0: No problem. Yeah. Tristan, do you have another question?
5: Yeah so- sorry man you pushed so many of my buttons while you were talking that I just I had a follow-up. Um, I'm planning a series on punts with my buddy because that's just I mean you know our background like that's kind of how we grew up out here and mm-hmm. that scene is kind of coming back and it's really sweet and cool to see like I like I found like a bunch of skaters on top of a parking structure and like we're all taking pictures and hanging out and I don't know. It's really amazing. Even during the lockdown, these kids were going out and skating Yeah. and like, it's so cool to see. And it's cute. They're all wearing masks and stuff. So that's really nice. But um, I had a thought about it because you mentioned like giving back, you know what I mean?
3: Uh-huh.
5: So I had like, for the last few years, I was doing gift drives every Christmas with spark of love, the LA fire department. And we were uh-huh. just like, we go, We'd fundraise, we'd go toy shopping, and then we'd go to the bar, and then we'd send the toys over and stuff like that. But I was always trying to figure out how to do it year-round or, like, how to do a bigger project and not wait for Christmas. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, dang, like, you could, if you had good ad- admin, and, like, if you really were able to oh, record.
1: Don't big words to me. You don't know, you know I don't know what that means. Yeah.
5: Sorry, Papa. Okay, so if you had a good, like, way to record like i'm thinking if i took even if i was doing digital if i took a polaroid of the person and got their details on the back of the polaroid then we could stay in touch and then i could record everyone featured you know at every show every backyard show every living room show all that stuff and all the spots to hang out at and then that would make it so you could hit every one of them up when it was time to launch it and publish basically and it could be You know what, you see what I mean?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, even sometimes cameras have little microphones and you can take a picture and then talk and and, and give all the information attached to that file.
5: That's genius.
1: I'm like you, I got a notepad. Um, If you can take, problem with this is that Polaroids cost about a dollar a piece.
5: I know, it's awful. I have the 600 film and it's like-
1: But they're very cool. And if you can find a, a way to incorporate the Polaroid into it, then that's a, you know. Another great idea, but yeah, you can do that. I mean, look at Basquiat. Didn't he walk huh. into a restaurant and and you know, and go, uh um, God, I'm blank uh, what's his name? Blimey. Andy Warhol, Andy Warhol. Yeah. and said, yeah. Look, I, I made these pictures. do you want to buy one? And then Andy's guy's like, Oh, get out of here, you're home. You know, this homeless guy watching the restaurant. and Andy's like, Oh, these are good. <laughs> yeah, I'll take five. How much are they? And he's like, yeah. Five. He's like, I don't know, maybe three bucks a piece. Totally. You know, I've, I've been on both ends have, of that, selling, selling and that buying. So, so look, yeah. The thing is, is that I'm a, belief, I'm a believer and I'm attracted to people that are doers. Go out, do it. Sell your stuff on the street. Sell your stuff wherever you can. We can't all wait to go into a a gallery. Right? <laughs> I certainly didn't either. Find outlets. You know, Instagram's a great tool. Hey, I'm doing a charity and I'm selling these, these Polaroids for $5 a piece, right? Genius. Now you've made a profit of over 300% on each Polaroid you sell. Now you can take part of that, buy more Polaroid film. Then the rest, you can give to any charity you want. You know I was thinking I
5: mean? the kids themselves though, man. Like, yeah. well, you exactly. know what I mean?
1: That's, that's any charity. Yeah. Who's to say they're not? Uh, my drive-by series, I definitely gave some money to people in the book from the book that, that were, that were in, in dire need. Do you know what I mean? And then we gave, we gave a bunch to Feeding America, which is an organization I love. So there's, there's no shortage of where you can donate money and there's no shortage of how many people need it. So yes, it's great that you're doing that and, and, and that's your head's in the right mind, but if you can use some of that money to further what you're doing, which brings us back to the other question, how do I, how do I generate money? I don't know, sell sell the art you have now and then put it back into your business. That's how I got my first cameras. I bought a camera, did a bunch of stuff, then I sold that camera to buy the new camera. Then I sold I that a, to buy the new camera.
5: I had an old Leica point-and-shoot. That's what I started with, actually. And then was, uh, I actually, I used that and traded. I found a used Sony camera and I, I had to trade the
1: Leica to pay
5: the guy off. Like, I met him in a yeah. parking lot. He's because right. I...
1: Yeah, like I said too, the camera is just a tool. It's it's yeah. It's it's the Indian, not the arrow, so to speak. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to have a Leica. You don't have to have a Sony. You just yeah. have to be able to generate a picture. Yeah. So technicals fun to get into, and you can spend hundreds of thousand dollars, or you can spend you know five hundred dollars and just shoot everything on the point and shoot.
5: Yeah. It's Thank really, you,
1: Brian. It's really the end product and what, what is behind it that's the most important thing. Like this whole series, this whole book, I used one point and shoot, you know, I used the camera as a point and shoot and and that's it. No lights, no nothing, just me and the camera. So it's possible.
0: Can you tell us, Um, because I think we'll have to wrap by two, but can you tell us about the documentary component to this? Because... So I like I said, really um, yeah,
1: I did have my friend Evan that tra- traveled with us and he filmed and documented everything and we all would grab cameras and film certain things and we used a lot of GoPros and we're in the process now of um, figuring out editing and, and, and then we'll get this thing uh, funded and, and, and put it on the air somewhere. I mean, who knows? Once, you know, just like this other journey, now that's my new journey. How do I turn this into a documentary? So people can really see what happened along the way. And so that's what I'm gonna be putting my energy into in the next.
0: Now I can see that Paris will make room for um, when the documentary is ready and she can do drive-bys as a solo.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: Right, yeah. Well, I don't know if there's any last question, but Brian, I think you're... um, Ability to go nerd and get into equipment is really appreciated because people don't often get that opportunity. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really happy to, uh, to have that happen over this. And, um, yeah, any last question before we wrap? I see John.
1: Yeah. All right, John. Last question. The lucky, the lucky winner of the day.
2: All right, so I've got two questions. One is the light on the picture on the ghost face that's on right now. There's light on the side of her cheek, on her right cheek. That's uh-huh. natural light.
1: Yeah, that's bouncing off the wall.
2: Wow. Okay.
1: So, cool. what I did was, here's an opportunity where there's a very soft sunlight. So, I knew if I put her in front of this big white wall, that all that light's going to bounce in. And also, look at the way, look at the side of the truck where that window is in the back, you see how it radiates towards her? Yeah. So all that thing was kind of thought up and planned. And then you've also got, I adjusted the mirror. If you look, the mirror is down and facing up, which is kind of light sitting the mirror and kind of filling, filling in that side of her face as well. But on the left side of that picture, there's another white wall. So that's why the, the light is coming through the windshield across her face and not so flat. And that gives all that dimension and shadows, which brings that 3D effect to the picture.
2: So did you position that shot with somebody else in
1: the prime now, spot? Just with her. Time? Just how I would fun. talk to my subjects and be like, move here. Okay. Let me move the truck. Now stand right here. Now go there. So we would kind of play until I knew where I saw where it, it looked good. See, that's another good thing about using natural light, which I was talking earlier, is that you can see with your eye what the light's doing. And then your knowledge of knowing when I add contrast, those shadows are going to go deeper and you know what I mean? And I can always turn the highlights down to get them to where I want to be that that picture is going to pop. And then wow. I was shooting at like a 30th of a second. So I knew she shook her hair and I knew when it, when she stopped her face, it would bounce, which is given that blur.
2: Okay. The other question I had is that you assisted her Brits for a while. I know that from your, from your, your backstory. Um, who's the master of natural light. Like nobody knew more about natural light than Herb Ritz, it seems like. And your mastery of natural light is stunning. Thank you. What did you
0: learn from Herb?
1: The, the most important thing I think from Herb is not lighting, cameras, situations. It was people, how he dealt with people. From the talent to the hair and makeup to everyone. He was just such a very nice giving cool guy that people loved and admired and wanted to be um, shot by him. Then I learned how simple a picture can be if you've got the right person in front of your camera, which is why natural light and big HMI's, all of it worked because his talent was getting the beauty and the soul out of the person he was shooting. And I think when you're fans of someone that's, that, that relationship between the two is something that, that, that makes incredible things happen. And I, and I try to do that in, in every subject that I shoot.
0: Cool. Thank you. You're welcome, John. That's, that's like such a good note to end on frankly yeah it's a perfect get one get the beauty and soul out of each subject and that you make that happen yeah yeah. Wow. so fun brian i really appreciate um you um coming on and giving this time and reflecting your experience and um now i can have coffee yeah go get it girl <laughs> But I was really, really um, impressed. And I'm so glad the serendipity worked that I just happened to be at Digital Silver Imaging to see that unpacking. Because then I was like, wait, I need to understand the, the I, I need to know what came before this. And it's just such an amazing process. Well, so. Yeah. Well,
1: I'm glad you hit me
0: mm-hmm. up. This was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And Paris, if you're still on, it's always been fun. The, the LA, like a gallery, is beautiful and Paris makes it just extra special. Yeah, she's really smart. fun. Yeah.
1: Well, all right. Well, so good. Bye, everyone. All thank right. you so
0: much for having thank me. Thank you. And bye. thank you all for coming. All right. Have a good one. Thanks.